0: isn't discussed openly and honestly enough. Today on the Parenting Truths podcast I'm joined by Logan Donnelly aka Kiwi Dad. When Logan was 6 years old he suffered a head injury and then at 17 he was in a car crash. The years following the crash he had low energy, suffered lots of migraines and it was discovered that his hormonal system was completely out of sync. So at the age of 21 he was faced with a life altering decision. He was offered hormone replacement therapy but unfortunately the side effect of the therapy was infertility. I'd like to thank Logan for sharing his unique journey with us today. This is such a powerful Story that led to Logan trialing fertility drugs that brought even more side effects. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. And before we dive in, remember parenting is all about progress, not perfection. And we're rolling. Welcome to the Parenting Truths podcast. Today I'm joined by Logan Donnelly, a.k.a. Kiwi Dad. Thanks for joining me, Logan. No worries. Thanks for
1: having me. Cool to um, finally be on.
0: Yeah, it's been a couple of months of trying to arrange this. Obviously, with you being in New Zealand, we've got a 13-hour time difference. So we've shuffled the times around quite a lot, but we finally, finally locked one down. So hopefully it's not too late for you over there.
1: Yeah, nah, it's all good. I've literally just finished having a little late-night coffee just to uh, charge me back up a bit. Oh, nice, mate. I got the
0: same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, the, one of the main reasons I wanted to chat to you today, because when I started the Dad Vibes, the idea behind it was always to engage with expecting dads and new dads. And obviously, I think you've started following me. How long have you been following the Dad Vibes for? Best part
1: of a year, I'd say? Yeah, over a year now, I think. Probably right around when I sort of first became a dad. That's when I found you.
0: Yeah, so I'd say you sort of epitomise the reason why I started The Dad Vibes, to engage with new dads. And obviously you seem very conscious and aware of the sort of way you want to parent and the journey you sort of want to take with your little one who's now 17 months old. So I think to kick off, should we start with if should we go back to the start of your parenting journey? Cause I know it's not been smooth sailing and sort of maybe back to the moment when you and your partner were like, right, let's kick off and and try and start a family.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I know, um, even just listening to the episode so far that you've had a bit of a, a difficult journey as well, which was, um, yeah. that was real cool of you to share, man. I think it's, um, yeah, it's really powerful. Um, yeah, my, my one's a bit complicated. Um, I guess I'll just give you like the footnotes of it. Um, So I had a a bad head injury when I was quite little, about six. And then again, when I was um, 17, I was in a car crash and um, like got knocked out, concussed for a while. And then after that, for the next several years, I just sort of had like lower energy, a lot of migraines and stuff, things I would never really had before. Um, And then at 21, my partner, Charlie, who is my wife now. We've been together since we're about 16. She convinced me to go to the doctors. Um, And then when I went there, they found that my like hormonal system was sort of all over the show. So it would release like mass amounts of testosterone, like the scale is 9 to 30 in mole and mine would do like 40. And then the next day it would be like five. So like as if I was like a geriatric, yeah. (laughs) And it was um, kind of steadily going down. Long, long journey from that of MRIs and things like that, where they found my pituitary gland was pressed down, um, and so they think that was the cause of the hormonal fluctuations. But um, anyway, after seeing like a couple of endo- endocrinologists and things like that, they the prescribed treatment is testosterone replacement, which is like exogenous injections of testosterone every few days. But the catch of that is once you start injecting your testes essentially say like, Oh, I don't have to make any testosterone now, so I'll shut down and if they shut down that don't make sperm. So at like right. age twenty, twenty one, I was given this sort of decision of like, Hey, we can fix you but you'll become infertile and then me and Charlie both wanted to have kids, so I was like, Well, I can't do that But that kind of um it made things quite serious quite early on, you know, so fertility was like something I was aware of straight away it forced
0: you to have those thoughts very early on yeah. and make the decisions. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, um, so I ended up just trying to see if I could, um, like eat really well. Like I went keto back before keto was really a thing. Cause that was meant to help, um, cut out all my sugars, take zinc and all sorts of vitamins. And it didn't really work. Um, the, the fluctuations kept happening. And then I would have bloods every three months and it. It was just a steady decline. So rather than the highs I was getting, it was just getting lower and lower until by 24, I was pretty much consistently at like a nine, which is like, like a 75 year old man. Um, and right. then I was starting to just get like really low depressed, no libido, no drive for life or anything. And it was like, okay, I've got to, I've got to do something. So then, um, yeah, sorry, again, that's a bit of a long story, but I'll try it, I've condensed it, that's okay. but so sweet. Um, yeah, so then went in, Followed it up, another long process but froze my swimmers so that we had like an insurance plan and then went on um, the testosterone replacement and then kind of accepted that I would be infertile and then within three months my sperm count was zero, no live sperm detected. So it did exactly what they said it would do. Um, So that was a real bummer and quite a hard thing of like, oh, we're going to have to have IVF or IUI to be able to have a baby. Um, yeah, so it was it was quite a lot. Um, but then... And how old oh, were you
0: at this point?
1: How old were so you I'm at 20, that point? 24 at this point. So still pretty young for this sort of um, stuff. Yeah. yeah, and even like um, going on the testosterone replacement, that was like a, its own thing because then like suddenly I have testosterone and there's a whole brain shift with that. Um, but yeah, then I sort of got quite... Um, almost obsessive of learning all about hormones and fertility and then seeing that like in America um, they prescribe HCG, um, human chorionic gonadotropin, um, that in New Zealand, Australia and UK actually they they give that to women but they don't really give it to men for fertility but in America they do it because it towers the testes to make sperm. I was like, why are they giving it in America? And then, and I just, and like, this is the beauty of forums and Reddit, even though they're not the most scientific sources, I was seeing all these dads on testosterone replacement becoming dads. And I was like, what, like, how is this, what, what is this? So then that started a huge journey of getting all these different research papers. And I went to like multiple urologists, endocrinologists in New Zealand and there's not many just to be like hey there's this drug we have in New Zealand I know it's only like prescribed for women but here's all this evidence saying that it can work for men and I got shut down over and over again until eventually one guy was like yeah well we'll just see what happens eh? if if we monitor your bloods all the time and you pay for all the treatment we'll just we'll try it out and so I managed to convince him so I think I was like the first person in New Zealand as a man to get this drug um Yeah, yeah. So it was pretty intense. And then even then I was like, I wasn't sure if it was going to work, you know, because it was sort of, it's a bit of, yeah, like there's some science saying it does, others saying maybe like it was a bit, a bit, um, yeah, hit or miss. Uh, The plan was to go on HCG for 12 months while staying on my testosterone replacement. And then if yep. that didn't work, I was going to drop the testosterone and just do HCG, which then would get my fertility back. But I'd be right back to having no testosterone and feeling miserable. So that was sort of like a less than ideal situation. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, so I started the HCG, but it does this. Um, so like HCG is. I'll, go, I'll do a quick science lesson. Um, yep. it, it, it mimics luteinizing hormone. And HCG is actually what is tested in a pregnancy test. Like when a woman weighs on a pregnancy test and it's positive, is detecting yep. the HCG in urine. I was going to say urine. that,
0: yeah, because it, it escalates very quick, doesn't Lee, yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doubles and doubles into the tens of thousands. Like
1: every 12 hours. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah and, and HCG is actually extracted from pregnant woman's urine. So it costs quite a bit of money because it's like a live product right um yeah yeah so so that luteinizing hormone if you give it to a man it goes down to the testes and it tells them hey you need to turn back on it's the signal your brain would normally give you and so that's great because it makes spermatogenesis but the downside is because it's not real luteinizing hormone when it's done its job it aromatizes which means it turns into estrogen so you've got, it does its job and then it turns into estrogen and then you've got a bunch of estrogen floating around in your system. So right. this, this treatment was like every two days I had to subcutaneous uh, in the stomach inject, um, this HCG. But then after like a couple of weeks, I was like, I was all puffy and super emotional, you know, like PMS mm. symptoms. Um, but I, yeah, cause I was a teacher at the time and like, I remember the kids would say, you know, like. You suck, Mr. Donnelly, or something like that, you know, as kids do. I, I taught um, intermediate, like year seven, year eight. Um, okay. But yeah, I remember they'd say something like that, and it would just, um, it would just like, oh, it would hit me right in the feels, you know, or like, I don't know, yeah. something would go wrong, and I would just feel like blind rage, like, oh, I'm so angry. I just had no regulation. And um, I remember saying to Charlie, like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I can't handle this constant um, flux state. And yeah, at like two months in nothing had happened sperm wise as well. So I was like, Oh, is this is it actually gonna happen? Um, but then at about three ish months there was there was one million sperm, which is still like so the the range for sperm is like fifty million to three hundred million and like for a young healthy male you're probably around two hundred to three hundred million and I had one million, so I'm still like super infertile but Mm. they're back so that was super encouraging and that was like okay let's like increase the dose and and my um urologist was happy to see it too so then we upped the dose and then i guess my body just sort of got used to it because um the side effects weren't nearly as bad uh and then only maybe five-ish months char showed me this positive pregnancy test and we're like what like i can't believe it it was just sort of um that probably the, the downside and reflection is for both of us, because we were doing it this sort of medical way, we didn't yeah. believe that the pregnancy was going to last. And I know you said that in one of your recent episodes that you had that quite a lot and we had that right up until basically when Delilah was born of like nah this isn't real this weird sort of you know like um you don't want yeah. to believe it right because you don't want to have to grieve it even though you will but like you try and hold it out yeah and that, that was definitely something that happened
0: yeah obviously a, a different journey to you but it got to the point mm. like I talk about we've had four miscarriages and obviously Noah who was born at five months but I was chatting to Laura about this yesterday or the day before, and there, there were definitely more positive pregnancy tests in there, but we just didn't really acknowledge them because a positive test really was just like, right, okay, that, that's step one. Neither of us would commit to the, um, to the pregnancy, even seeing the scan at 12 weeks, because um, really in the UK you have a scan at 12 weeks, a scan at 20 weeks, and then you just see, see it through till the baby's born. Um, but obviously we were scanned every single week for nine months. Um, so even we'd have the scan, we'd see the a healthy baby, but then on the, on the journey home we were like, okay, well, we've seen the healthy baby, but what now? You know, things could have yeah. changed. And it just becomes this huge... It just man, manifests in your mind and just, yeah, c- can escalate quite quickly. So a little bit, obviously very different to your journey, which seems yeah. very very unique um something that you would never anticipate going on as an adult so how did you sort of navigate because you said your mental health suffered a little bit how much was that due to the low testosterone and the low mood but also you just trying to deal with it as well in your own head
1: As far as becoming a parent, like once we actually had Delilah or before that? (laughs) Yeah, in terms of
0: navigating through that in your 20s, um, did it impact your mental health at all?
1: Yeah, well, I think I had, um, particularly sort of before starting that testosterone, so the sort of 21 to 24 age as my Mm. testosterone steadily dropping, and I know it's dropping, but I'm not doing anything about it. That was um quite hard, and I think only now, like I'm almost 30 now, and I can just reflect on it really now and be like, oh man, yeah, that was that was a lot of stuff going on for this young you know yeah. kid trying to figure it all out. Um, yeah, and then I think that the that helped me in a lot of ways because I like got quite mindful before mindfulness was really a big thing and everything like that. You know, I, I got into quite good routines because I was like. I have to keep on top of my shit or I just, yeah, it gets all over the show. Um, So yeah, that, that helped. But then I think even like once I started the testosterone, it it almost felt like life had been a shade of gray and I hadn't realized. And then you turn, like the testosterone comes on, everything's brighter. Suddenly I had this drive, you know, like, oh man, I like, I want to do stuff, you know, like I want to have a career and things. It was like this whole, but then also like, you've gone from low libido to now a like, soaring libido and like yeah. like I said I've been with my partner since 16 so then I had to navigate that of like you suddenly have all this like desire you have to go through that whole head fuck yeah <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. It, it was a lot of stuff man it was um it was tricky and I think even you, know, when I first started the testosterone I, it wasn't that I was necessarily more aggressive but I just sort of had like a fire of like yeah like and almost like a, I've missed out on my first half of my 20s because I was sort of this more like mellow, depressed, low energy. And now I feel okay. good and I want to do stuff. And, and so that probably played quite a big part as well. Yeah. So you're the same person, but now you're this
0: like supercharged version of yourself, ready to rock and roll and and you <laughs> Yeah, well, you're, you're almost
1: like... like- you don't know who you are when you first start and like there's like a honeymoon period too right where like because my levels were so low like say if you were to go on testosterone it probably wouldn't be you might feel slightly better because if you're normal and then you go up to the higher levels you might you know do better in the gym or have a bit more energy but it wouldn't be significant because I was so low it was just like euphoric almost you know like once it finally started to all click into place i just felt great and yes that was quite a transition and probably not like the easiest one to navigate you know
0: going back to that positive pregnancy test what happened from that point then so you were unsure whether you could really commit to that positive test so how did that play out from the moment you saw the positive lines
1: yeah, so I think it was. Um, so uh, yeah, another thing is like the studies on HCG showed that there was a much higher rate for miscarriage. The studies were on okay. women using HCG, but that that was definitely an aspect. So I stayed on the HCG for about five months into Charlie's pregnancy because we we're like we didn't want to lose this baby and me be infertile again. So that mm. kind of shows how far we we were, we didn't believe it. Um, yeah, and, and again like. The HCD was kind of messing with my head a little bit of just constantly being high estrogen and not feeling yeah. that great. So that that probably, yeah, swirled in there, too. Um, yeah, I, don't, I think for me, like, and again, I've only been able to really reflect since Lila's turned one that I've out of it and I can look back um, like I was, I was still teaching at the time. And then I started working part time for the job I work at now, which was a work from home job. And I ended up like, I was a bit silly, really, like I teachings like 40, 50 hours a week. And then I was doing this job, you know, 10 to 30 hours any given week. Um, Like I've got to, it was almost like nesting, right? I was like, I've got to make money. I've got to get everything ready. Like, let's get a house. Like, let's do everything. Um, And so I think I really just sort of, it was like one disbelief of becoming a dad, but then another of like, if I am, then I need to tick all these things off before I become one and so I like really just like tunnel visioned it into that sort of perspective and then I think I didn't really do any emotional work at all and I've probably a lot of dads are like that mm. I was actually like what what being a parent is I was much more like logic based of like we'll get this and we'll get this and we'll get this and I'll just I'll keep working I'll keep hustling and like I was trying to get out of teaching and into the job I'm doing now because it was work from home and I was like oh that's so much more flexible with parenting and yeah I think um, when like Delilah finally came it was just such a shock to the system of that sort of emotional side. Um, yeah. That, yeah, that was actually quite a rough start as well, which we can get into. Um, yeah, so it was, it was just uh, It's interesting to reflect, and I'm sure you're going through this right now, having your second, um, yeah. as well as your first, of course. Yeah.
0: It, it's, it's interesting what, what you say about dads being logical, because a couple of episodes ago, I spoke to a guy called Kieran from a support service in the UK called uh, Dad Matters. Um, So they support dads through the perinatal period. And he says what they find is the struggles that dads have in the lead up to pregnancy and shortly after are all very logical based. And he gave me an example of a guy who broke down in tears at one um, group because... The baby was gonna be born, but the extension on his house wasn't ready, and obviously to anyone looking in that could be very um trivial. But when they do when they dived in a little bit deeper, the reason was obviously he didn't want a new baby coming into like a disruptive house. He wanted um to have paternity leave with the baby, but now he was gonna to have to project manage this extension and he was very logical and matter of fact, and Kieran gave a few examples of um of that and the fact that almost always dad's um, challenges through the perinatal period are logical, like you say. Um, Mm. And I guess it doesn't give them time to immerse themselves in the pregnancy and get sort of emotionally adjusted, ready for the birth. Um, Because I remember with Luca, I was just tunnel-visioning through to when he was like four or five years old. So when I was picturing being a dad i didn't really think about being the dad of a baby or a one-year-old such a good point yeah yeah changing nappies um the sleepless nights i was picturing running around the park playing
1: football riding a bike um, totally i i remember like me for my mental image it was like play fights right like Mm. tickle fight or something that was what i was thinking of and i don't i hadn't really experienced like newborns much like we're the first in our friend group to become parents you know i've seen okay. babies but I, I hadn't really had much experience in that way and like my family hasn't had kids never has charlie's like my sister and stuff so yeah we i think we just went in completely blinded yeah that's such a good point because i i was picturing maybe like a two or three year old <laughs> and didn't realize quite how long it takes to get there
0: <laughs> yeah and th- and there's so much joy and um be had during the newborn stage which is why I'm quite passionate on the dad vibes you know sharing newborn content and encouraging dads to get involved with their newborns because certainly when I became a dad I remember one of my friends I think I've shared about it telling me um, there wasn't much I could do during the baby stage that you you need to wait till they find their feet until they're walking till you can really get involved and he was very hands-off um, and that 's probably the worst advice you can ever give a dad, because <laughs> <laughs> just having that one on one time putting yourself in situations where you need to think on your feet away from mm. away from um, really does force you to you know get comfortable with the baby and it helps with that bonded connection which isn 't always there immediately, and you know it takes work doesn 't it to form a bond with your baby um, so just by Doing things like baby wearing around the house, keeping them close, trying to carve out, even if it's five, ten minutes of alone, one-on-one time with a baby. All of this helps, I think, with dads getting comfortable um, with their baby, which can lead to that bond and connection.
1: Yeah, because I think that's, um, like, I've, I've talked about this on my Kiwi Dad thing of, like, how you know women have the whole pregnancy to transition into the idea yeah. of becoming a parent and motherhood where for dads it's basically when baby is born it's like a it's not a soft launch <laughs> you're in you know um and then and then it is hard too because like if you're you know your partner's breastfeeding like mine was and she didn't want to use bottles because of um uh what's it called mastitis there's a problem with that um yeah. but yeah so then so you you kind of like what do i do how do i Where do I fit, right? You're trying to figure out how you can support in the right way. And uh, like what you said about the baby bond thing, that was a huge one for me where I'm quite like an emotional guy, quite a sort of lovey guy. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to love my baby immediately. And then it it probably took me like six months, man, to really, really bond. And that was so hard for me of like, you know, this guilt of like, Am I a bad person? Is this not actually like, I thought I wanted this, but maybe I didn't want this. Like, you know, you go through so many sort of negative thought spirals about yeah. it. And then and that actually holds you back from bonding too, right? Because you're like, why am I not feeling this like huge love? Everybody talks about when you're interacting with your baby rather than just interacting and enjoying them. adds it, all the subtext, you know? So, um, yeah, I think it's it's a good point that you say that, like, just spend the time, get involved.
0: Yeah, you just need to focus on the end goal. That bond and connection will come. And I think if dads are just more aware that it's okay if that bond and connection isn't there immediately, just stay focused on meeting their needs. Um, I've talked a bit on the podcast before about serve and return with babies where, you know, they try and catch your gaze or they give you some form of engagement. So just stick with them and return that, whether it's through touch or through eye contact and you'll start to see them in a completely different light when they start tracking you, looking for you around the room, giving Mm. you a smile, laughing. Um, Because Mia's five months old now, and we've been on a journey because we had four and a half years with Luca. So it was very much. Yeah, I'm
1: wondering that, because that's such a big gap, right? Like you would have fully adjusted to one child parenting life, and now you're right back to that that beginning stage again. I remember you said, I think in your first episode that it was actually more of a struggle than you had anticipated
0: yeah it was i, I didn't i just assumed mia would come along she'd fit into family life and and she did to a degree but I, I was so immersed in like luca's life and we did everything together i've not got a huge social life like my life just revolves around my family um and i love that like time with family is all I really need like I'm more than happy with that that, that they give me everything I need um so yeah just immediately I was just hit around the head with life is changing uh so I just had to realign my expectations um just acknowledge sort of let go that you know that one-on-one time with Luca won't be as frequent as it was obviously working with him through the fact that now he's got a just um, be a bit more patient. Um, the fact that we've got a baby that often cries um, when they need something, um, but now fast forward five months, it's as if me has always been here. It's the new normal, and, oh. I, can, I, I, and I couldn't imagine life without her. Um, and we're about to enter in when she's ready, like the weaning phase, and then within you know six to eight months, she'll hopefully be finding her feet, and then we enter into the toddler. Years, so. We've got all the good stuff to come, but definitely the fourth trimester with babies is tough for anyone, I think, whether you, you're, it's your first, second, third, whatever the age gap, I think, yeah. All, all, all you need to do is just be responsive to their needs 24-7, so it can be, it can be <laughs> yeah. challenging.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean that um, managing expectations thing is such a good point that I've like, mm. reflected on quite a bit, where I think that's where a lot of my like, struggle came from was like, Trying to, I, I I, like, I was such a routine person of like, I go to the gym in the morning and stuff like that. And that's like how I keep my mental health good. And then yeah. when all that stuff has to be pushed all the time, I would get like resistant to it, right? Like I'd be like, oh, but that's, that's what keeps me grounded. And that, that'll make me a good dad and partner by going to the gym. Like I need yeah. this, you know, and then, and then that creates this friction. And yeah, if I had just like gone with the flow a bit more and been like, oh, well, all good i'll get to the gym eventually you know maybe for the yeah. next three to six months i just drop that for a while
0: it's all good yeah. like those things do become quite stressful so even something like if i wake up and i'm like right i need to mow the lawn today and i'm adamant that i'm going to mow this That's a good but, point yeah but Luca's vying for my attention but still i push on and try and mow the lawn he's trying to get involved and obviously as a petrol mower so it's a little bit dangerous and it just all becomes super stressful whereas if I'm just like I can just mow the lawn tomorrow or mow the lawn when he's at school then it just saves all of this stress and obviously that's on us as parents isn't it um and I've got you know we moved into a new house last August so I've got a list as long as my arm of things that need doing and more often than not they're just put to the back (laughs) of the list over just spending time with the family because I'll get to them I'll clean the garage when it needs to, when I have time the lawn will be mowed when it when I have time so yeah it's just prioritising those and there's that
1: it's not actually as important as you think it is, but like yeah. at the time, the lawns are such a good point. Like even um, I mowed the lawns yesterday for the first time in like three weeks. It's been raining heaps, but like there was like a jungle out there. But every time I went to do it, there was just something else, and I felt that like even now that like oh why can't I just go mow the lawns, you know? Like and then yeah. then again, it's like is it actually important? No, nah. like who cares, man? It's not that big a deal. Like yeah.
0: yeah. And yeah, a, a tip for people is just make a list of your of your odd jobs that you need to do around the house. And just when those little windows crop up, just start ticking them off. Like uh, my neighbor looked at me really funny the other day because I had a window of 45 minutes. I was like, right, I'm going to mow the front lawn. But it was a little bit wet. It wasn't really optimal to mow the lawn. And he was looking over yeah. thinking, what is he doing? And I just, I just <laughs> yeah, wanted to go yeah. over to him and look, mate, I work I've got, I've got two kids. I have no time. That lawn's getting. This is mowed. my window. Yeah. Even yeah. even though I just basically ripped it apart and it looks it, it looks awful, but yeah. it's mowed.
1: <laughs> yeah. Now so, that's I've I've got like multiple notes of just different lists of things like oh okay. yeah, there's something to do. And but then also I find sometimes I like I just need to knock as well. You know, like you'll have that window an hour whatever, and sometimes I'm like nah, actually I'm like I'm pretty cooked. Mm. I just need to like, I need to watch YouTube right now. So, you know, like, and making time for that as well. Because I think that was another yeah. thing I did in that fourth trimester of like, okay, she's asleep. Everything must be done now. You know, like, and that you burn out, right? You just can't. Yeah, It's a delicate balance. Yeah, because you don't carve out any time for that headspace, do
0: you? Just to mm. get lost in your phone or to read a book or anything like that. Mm. So going back to when you're, little one was born how did you find that initial perinatal period and how did you sort of navigate through that first year?
1: Yeah so it's um yeah it's an interesting one so my daughter was so we started at the birthing center which is like not the hospital when my wife was in labor and then there was like um fa- failure to progress and the midwife was just like a little concerned so we moved over moved over to the hospital um and then Delilah ended up coming naturally but when she was born um, she wasn't breathing at all um, and then the, it just so happened that the hospital that night there was like 12 women in labour New Zealand, Tauranga small small town That that's the whole ward maxed out and obviously we weren't booked in so they had to like make a makeshift room for us um, and then yeah so Delilah comes out she's not breathing they take her over to like the little sort of CPR area. Um and then they go to put this hose in to suck out like the phlegm stuff, but the hose isn't working because this was a makeshift setup for delivery. Um and so they've got an oxygen thing, so they're putting that on her and they're trying to get oxygen in that way, but she's not actually breathing. Um and then she didn't take her first breath for six minutes, so it's crazy. Um and I, I was just super lucky. This is the good dad logic brain. I just followed the tube that wasn't working underneath and then I could see that it wasn't, like, plugged in properly. And I was like, this is, like, like five minutes of Delilah not breathing. It's like, that was hey, on hey you. guys, is this not... Yeah, yeah, they didn't, oh. because they checked on the top things. And I went under it and then, yeah, anyway, plugged it in. At, at that point, I think they would have taken her to another room very quickly. Like, it was very much like we had... I think there was like six nurses, three doctors in at that point. It was just getting but it was a very stressful start. Um mm, Yeah, and then it. they managed to get the phlegm out and then from there she got put into um SCABOO, which is like the near I don't know what you guys call it in NHS, but like the neonatal yeah. um ward and they did like a deeper thing of getting the phlegm out. Um and then she had like a infection in her blood markers and it was like quite dangerous, so they just hit her with like Two different, very strong antibiotics, um, but they like really messed up her gut and stuff. And then Charlie had to stay with her for the first three nights. They stayed at the hospital. It was during like New Zealand got COVID a lot later than you guys did. So in 2021, we kind of got our full spread then, and that was right. You when locked down in, in the immediately, hospital, didn't you? Did, didn't yeah, you yeah. Down? When we got one case, yeah. And then we had, yep. when you guys were going through it, we had one year of no COVID, everyone normal. And then when everyone else kind of got back to normal, COVID finally got us. And then we were going through this like weird, kind of what you guys did, somewhat locked down, somewhat not. And anyway, the the problem of that was that you were only allowed like one person in the hospital with you, that being me. You had to wear a mask the whole time. And at 7pm, uh, you had to leave. And so Charlie's yeah. there for three nights and I can't stay the night. I, I managed on the first night to convince them to let me stay till like midnight, which was good. Um, but yeah, so that was like quite a rocky start of like she's there on her own with Lila, you know, three nights and trying to breastfeed. And yeah, does still having like bloods done all the time to make sure she's okay. She's getting these antibiotics. Um, thankfully, like breastfeeding actually worked pretty well. Um, But then, yeah, from that, we're not sure if it's the antibiotics or what, but she got really bad reflux, like one of the worst cases that some of the doctors had seen, and it lasted months. But, I mean, like, she would fall asleep, she'd be fast asleep, she'd be lying down, you'd literally see her just, poof, vomit would just come out of her mouth, like projectile, and she'd just wake up, and that would be, yeah, she'd sleep for maybe 20, 30 minutes, vomit, screaming, keep screaming until she passes out passes out, vomits again. And so that was like pretty much our experience for the first, you know, three to four months. And then trying like medications, like um, we tried Gaviscon, that didn't work. I, I think, think it's called Gaviscon. Um Omeprazole, which does help because it makes the, the vomit really solid. So it can't come out, but she's still trying to vomit, but it's too solid. And then mm. it makes you constipated. So then they wanted to put her on like some, you know stool softness stuff and then we're like okay we don't want to get her on a bunch of meds so we didn't do that and then so the reflux came back so then we've got like up until I think we started solids pretty early like five six months in to try and get on top of it and then it slowly got better to the point where it finally went and then she kind of like started sleeping normally and stuff but yeah for the first I don't know it's always hard to remember exact time but yeah somewhere in the three to six month time we'd only get maybe 40 minute sleeps all the time they'd never be like you know we hear about these babies that sleep like 10 hours overnight and we're like what like even if two hours happened in one slot we'd be like yes like so that um that was really hard because that just like wore us down so fast you know (laughs) it's you just burn out not sleeping um the Um, sleep
0: is tough isn't it because it is a form mm. of torture and Certainly, in babies, they have, like, whether it's 30 to 45-minute sleep cycles, and some of them can stitch those cycles back together with little, you know, intervention from an adult, but others, like Mia was sleeping for long stretches now over the last couple of months, or, yeah, a couple of months, she, literally every sleep cycle, so every 45 minutes, it's just, it, it's not a huge ordeal, because she just needs to be rocked slightly or popped on the boob, and then she's back to sleep. But it, it can be intense, especially when there's no end in sight. Yeah.
1: No, totally. And I know, like, every time you hit one of those regressions, right? Teething or whatever, like, we get flashbacks. We're like, oh, no, like, is this, is it happening again? And it's a couple of times, it's been like a week of, yeah, like those sort of 45 minutes to one hour. Um, ones where she wakes up and like I don't know if it's just because of the reflux time or what but when Delilah wakes up she's like she's angry and she's awake for like as long as she was asleep particularly the fourth trimester time is like kind of shrouded in almost like a bit of misery to be honest of just this like oh we were just ruined and our mental health spiff just went it was yeah (laughs) it wasn't the best time and what motivated you to start
0: kiwi dad and start sharing content online how old was delilah when you kicked that off
1: i think she was six months when i started it but i found like pages like yours around that three to four month time
0: because okay. i
1: was i was like like i was getting pretty bad of like i can't do this what, like oh my gosh like what's going on and then i started yeah. trying to find you know you find like there's a lot of mum pages out there and they're very much like uh, if, uh, this is my experience of seeing them. They're quite like everything's perfect and mm. being a parent's this fantastic, joyous thing every day. Or it's the flip side and it's like kids, it's like negative. But there wasn't like, there isn't really a middle ground and there's, there was like no guys, besides yourself, or maybe one or two others that were really talking. You were pretty much the only one actually talking about both sides of it that, you know, there's some rough ass times. But I definitely think. Mm. Accounts need to provide that
0: balance, especially when people share content around sort of respectful parenting, because when you talk about that sort of thing, I hate putting a label on parenting, so maybe I shouldn't have said respectful, but it's more, you know, just being aware of the needs of your child, it can get a little bit much when there's no flip side, because obviously no parent's perfect, we're never going to be calm and present and responsive all of the time, So I try to find that balance more so now than ever. I've got, you know, two little ones and I appreciate how challenging the newborn days are. So I try and provide a balance of content. I think hopefully it comes across.
1: Yeah, no, you do a great job, man. It's, um, yeah, I mean, that's exactly it was that there's, there's just so little out there for Mm. that exact thing of the balance. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what kicked me off was originally, so like, oh, the cost of living and stuff's been terrible in UK as well, right? It's gone up heaps, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. so back when Delilah was sort of first born, then my wife didn't want to go back to work um, after her maternity leave ended. And so I was like frantically trying to come up with a budget to see if we could make it work. Um, And then I sort of figured out all our expenses and different things to save. And our neighbors, uh, just the house across from us, that had a baby. And I was like, bro, I saved like five grand doing all this blah, 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 blah. And he's like, oh, can you write that down, man? And so I wrote it down and made like a little guide. Um, And then I posted it on Reddit New Zealand and it just blew up. It got like 100,000 downloads and all these people saying thanks and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. And then um, like our local, we're like, uh, I'm sure you have like breakfast morning shows um they yeah so they got me on to talk through the guide on tv so that was real cool and then they're like oh where can we find you to get this stuff and i was like oh um and then that's what started me of like oh i'll make a kiwi dad thing of budgeting stuff and so that's where it first started was making that stuff um but then i quickly was like oh this isn't like this is what I want to talk about all the time, saving money. Like it was I was like, I'm not going to stick at this. But then that like led me into like, I'd already followed pages like yours. And I was like, oh, I could just make videos. Why don't I do that? And then that's kind of where it started. And as it's yeah. progressed, it, it's almost like a therapy, man. Like I've, I love it. I just, it's how I reflect on everything. And it, it makes me think back of how I was raised, you know, and like different things in my childhood where I'm like, huh, that was pretty like, that wasn't ideal. That's probably not the best way to do things. And, you know, you I think as a parent, you start to realize, yeah, how you were parented, right? And all yeah. these like little th- habits, even that you might fall into. Like, I find sometimes I get quite like, not angry, but, you know, frustrated if something doesn't work. And then I was over at my dad's house not too long ago and his dishwasher wasn't working. And he started swearing at it and whacked it. And I was like, Oh, that that's you. Like this is even my feeling. I'm just emulating what I saw. Like and it's like yeah, you just piece it together and it's um yeah, and I think like that kind of stuff. I I look for it now for things to share on Kiwi Dad and by looking for it and my just yeah, own parenting experiences, it's just yeah, it's this awesome therapy of like every time even if like me and um Charlie have an argument, I try and really like check myself now and be like, Ah oh, like Did I, like, did I react in that situation or did I respond, you know? Like, did I Mm. just immediately go with that emotional state or did I, like, take a minute and then respond in the way I wanted to? And, yeah, it's it's just all those little things, right? And it's quite cool because I think I'm a better person for it, which is, um, what's your experience been? Do you think it's been quite good for you?
0: Yeah, definitely the dad vibes. It's just naturally evolved over time Um, and the biggest tip i can give to people wanting to explore growing on social media is just trying to make it a healthy part of your life mm-hmm. instead of a, a a habit that is causing you problems cuz so many people i'm sure you've seen the posts like uh, taking breaks from social media or they're burnt out even i've seen accounts with you know 100,000 followers it all becomes a bit too much but the biggest thing is just trying to make it a healthy part of your life and i'd say that the dad vibes Um, is my creative space and it's just a place where I can express my feelings and definitely it becomes therapeutic um, which allows me to keep showing up every day. So just try and make little tweaks that allow you to make it a healthy part of your life. So if you need to sit down on your laptop and open Photoshop to spend three hours writing a post or creating a, uh, an Instagram um, reel or something like that, that's not going to work because it's not sustainable. So mm. everything I pretty much do from the dad vibes is via my phone um, because I can do it You know, when my little one's napping on my chest or um, in 20 minutes before I go to sleep. So it's just creating little habits that make it manageable, if that's what you enjoy. Has it been a positive part of your life are you are you finding that you can show up every day or do you need to take breaks from it
1: yeah so i think like um yeah when i first started and it was more that budget sort of stuff that was yeah. when i like one trying to fit that in during the first you know 6 months of parenting very difficult and like mm. figuring out how to do video editing and all that um and then yeah i would i would find myself like late at night trying to edit a video and like not loving it you know and then that was when i was like okay This isn't going to work because it it has to be something I enjoy. Um, But yeah, since kind of pivoting into more like relationship and parenting stuff, I love it. Like I'll get up early in the morning to do an edit. I'll stay up late at night sometimes and I'm like, it fills my cup, you know? Um, Yeah. yeah, And anytime I feel I'm starting to not like it, that's when I try and like, okay, what can I change here? What am I doing that I'm not getting much out of? Um, but yeah, like, like I think what you say with processes is such a good point. Like I film probably every three weeks, I'll just film, like I'll block out two hours with Charlie mm. and I'll just film two hours worth of stuff. I'll just, I would have worked on it over the last month. I would have wrote, wrote down a bunch of bullet points, I'll film it all. And then from there, I like make the sound all good and stuff. And then I've got CapCut on my phone or I just have my computer and I'll just like play away on a clip. To the point where now i've got like i've got about six clips preloaded, so that if i'm you know if that week is real busy or whatever it's all good i've got i've got ones already ready and then whenever i've got another time where i'm just like yeah i want to do some editing i just make a bunch more and and but that took a while like i mean i've been making stuff a, a year and a quarter now something like that and yeah like it's it's just now that i've finally got it to a spot where i like don't feel this oh i've got to post something it's all flowing along quite well
0: so yeah, yeah yeah i think you quickly become burnt out if you're if you need to sit there and think what to post and it can i've spoken to a few people that say you know like they post i don't know 20 or 30 times and that's it they say they've got like they've said everything they need to say no one's engaged with it i've spoken to no one is it's sort of game over but you need to sort of look at content in isolation as like pieces of evergreen content like the, the if you're starting an account the post you make now you can share or repurpose or rewrite 12 months down the line when you've got a much more engaged audience and for me obviously i share a lot of carousels um which are like 10 slides long so it might take me 30 minutes to create that but that isn't just one post that carousel individually those those slides will be shared over the course of the year. Um, so I will also use that as maybe a script for a video. I will also use that as um, the base of an email to send it to my email followers. So that 30 minutes is actually, if you take all of the individual posts, so minus the first and last slide, you've got eight Posts in the middle of that carousel, plus the carousel, so that's nine. Plus the email, plus the video script. Um, so you're looking at you're looking at twelve, twelve pieces of content from one carousel. If I make ten carousels, that's you know 120 pieces of content. Yeah, that's awesome. Because um, a few people have messaged like, how do I churn out so much content? But it's just thinking of it in that sort of level, and you'll notice that all of my are quite watered down. It's just like a white background with black text and maybe an image. Um because way back I was using Photoshop. I was trying to get them all to sort of slide nicely from one slide to the other. Um so I was getting like the middle the middle image perfectly positioned. Oh yeah you're
1: gone. Yeah yeah yeah
0: <laughs> so that it can transition. And I was like, this is completely pointless. All I need to do is convey my message. So I stripped all of that back and carousel went from like three hours to like 30 minutes so yeah and isn't
1: it funny like i've I've done similar where i've i've spent so much time figuring out how to make it as efficient as possible Mm. and i spend less time making stuff now and it gets better results (laughs) there's more size like all that time i was spending it wasn't actually yielding a positive that i thought it was you know (laughs) yeah
0: yeah you just need to get um Clever with and efficient with how and where you put your time. Certainly, when you're growing an engaged audience online, there's so many avenues you can go down whether it's growing an email list, putting out a free download, putting out a paid download, creating a website, podcast, videos, reels, TikTok. Like this, you could go on forever. <laughs> so it's yeah. just month to month, just noting down what you want to focus on. And for me, it's always Instagram's always number one. I always get my content out every day. Um, and thankfully that's grown pretty much consistently over like three years. And then at the moment, my next focus is the podcast and coming up with efficient ways I can do one recording like this, but then this one recording will filter down to Probably you know five reels that I can share on TikTok and YouTube. We'll have the video. I'll get the podcast out. So this recording will become probably like fifteen pieces of content. Yeah, because um, I've seen
1: TikToks of these interviews you've been doing. And I was like, oh, yeah. perfect for you. You get you get so much out of this. Like, just
0: because you know, I'm really passionate about sharing the message, and yeah, I took yeah. a step back, and it feels like just making connections and having conversations like this. Is probably the most efficient way to communicate a message um, versus you know writing a post. So it's all down to people that are willing to jump on. So thank you for being so open about sharing your um, your journey, your very unique journey.
1: No, it's all good, man. I think it's so cool. I think as well, like the amount of dads this could help, or even like like mums hearing something and being like, oh, that's why they're doing, you know, like the extension thing you talked about on the house, like yeah. the emotional undercurrent of that. Like I know so many, like, yeah, my neighbor, he started doing all this house reno stuff when the baby's born. And then the mum's like, what is he doing? Like, you know, why would he do that? And it's like, "Or well, duh, like he, he doesn't know what to do with himself. So he's trying to take control of that area. Yeah. And like, I did the same thing with my budget guide thing of like, I I was way too into it. I compared like every power company there was every internet provider just to find any saving, you know, which is like, I didn't have time to do that in the fourth trimester. (laughs) Like that was a terrible time to do it, but I didn't feel in control of myself. So like that, and again, only now looking at it, I'm like, oh yeah, I I see what I'm doing there. I'm finding something I can control and just diving into it. Like, yeah, but I think that when you hear that from other people, like us talking right now that thing can lead someone to be like, oh, maybe I'm doing that. You know, like it's, yeah, Absolutely, there's so much yeah. power in it. Yeah. Um, one thing I did want to touch
0: on before we sign off was during your um, your journey and when you said you had to freeze some of your sperm when you were in your early 20s, did, um, did IVF ever become a consideration for you? for you guys and how does that play out in
1: New Zealand is
0: is that on the do you have a national health service over there
1: yeah yeah. yes ours is quite similar to yours I think your guys is better like ours is um yeah our hospitals and everything it's all included but you guys can get like operations and stuff like elective ones I think we have to pay for that privately most of the time um yeah so it's a little different but you're quite similar for fertility stuff um it's pretty it's getting better now that there's some public funding, um, but it used to be pretty much you went private. So right now I've still got sperm frozen over in Hamilton, about two hours away, because they keep them for 10 years if you keep paying every six months. So I've got them there, just as a, yeah, a safety net. Um, so you've got this little 24-year-old version of me sperm, sitting there nice and healthy. Um, but yeah, so yeah, IUI is quite um, easily available, and that's that um, Turkey-based it shove it up kind of thing not super effective right. um ivf so in new zealand ivf is ten thousand dollars per treatment if you've been trying i think you have to pay your first treatment and then if that fails then you can apply for public funding if you've been trying for like two or three years um and then if you that one fails as well then it's sort of a bit niggly on if the like if you'll be publicly funded or not um, right. but yeah, you're looking at about ten thousand dollar Uh, So 5,000 pound upfront cost. And yeah, Yeah. at, um, you know, that sort of young age, it was just not going to, it was scary. And and, yeah, like the amount of sperm I froze is enough for eight attempts. But like IVF can use like five attempts out of that. Like it's eight different ones yep. that can be put into an egg yeah so um yeah we were kind of trying to avoid that as much as possible as well as for like the invasiveness on charlie having to go it's through tough, that I, it? It was, yeah. yeah from everything i've heard i mean i haven't gone through it but yeah we we looked into it quite a bit and it's um doesn't sound like a, a fun time so yeah no. we we're trying every other avenue we could before that so um yeah, but then HCG um, that I used, they've stopped supplying it to Australia and New Zealand because America ran low because of COVID. So now we're going for a thing of future babies. What are we going to yeah. do? And so I'm, I'm currently, like, I've got an appointment in three weeks with fertility associates, the people. I did it through um, to, yeah, try and find an alternative. There's another one that's more expensive more powerful but i'll have to go through this process again of trying to get um get it approved for use on me as as a man so yeah it'll be that journey all over again can you lean on the same doctor or that that you used before yeah or so the doctor i used before he could get hcg but because you can't get that anymore in new zealand at all he can't do it so now i have to go through another Another consultant um, yeah. to get HMG, which is human oh, I can't remember menopausal gonadotropin, yeah, and that's like um, luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone, and it comes right. from like um, like after birth and um, oh what's it called umbilical cord cells, so it's even harder to get um, yeah, yeah, but it works, it works really that one's like super effective, but yeah that'll be a, its own thing yeah so um yeah the fertility journey is going to probably happen all over again and we'll see yeah. how that all goes
0: but yeah um going back to the IVF i think that, that there's some criteria in the UK you can have it on the NHS for free but i think you need to be under 40 and have been unsuccessful in like two years of trying and then i think right, you get yep. three rounds on the NHS but privately i think it's I'm not 100%, between like twelve and £15,000 um, privately in the UK, which is, you know, a fair chunk of money if you're having multiple. Months. Yeah, and like you can
1: imagine if you're doing that, like you spend all that money, but invasiveness of it and all that work, yeah. and then if it doesn't take, or it does take, and then you have a miscarriage, I can't even yeah. imagine that's such a longer process to then have it not happen. Like the emotional turmoil of that would be... Very heavy. Yes, yeah. Do you have any um, dads on that are, have gone through that process? Like, do you have any lined up?
0: No, I don't. So if there, if there is any um, dads, yeah. feel free to reach out. I've got um, a list of about 50 or 60 guests to work through over the next couple awesome, of years. Man. So I'm just prioritizing. If people have messaged me and I've not reply, replied, apologize, I apologize. Um, so I'm just working through everyone i'm trying to focus on uk only at the moment obviously you're an exception um because of, the, <laughs> because of the time difference but i've got quite a few people from america that i'm going to try and get on so yeah definitely ivf is something i want to dive into um because it's certainly in the most- such
1: an interesting topic and yeah i uh, can just imagine people hearing the journey especially people that are, are just starting it that yeah. be um
0: yeah and it would be nice to hear both sides as well obviously a, a dad going through it but the the challenges a a, a mum faces cuz a, a, as you said i've heard that it's very very challenging um certainly when it's unsuccessful or like you say if you if it is successful and the pregnancy doesn't go to plan you know it can be quite a lot so so yeah definitely a topic i'd l- i'd love to explore um before we sign off I've got three quick fire questions that I'm asking all guests. So if you're ready to rock and roll, I'll fire them your way. Um, yeah, sure. So knowing what you know now, what parenting advice would you give yourself before you
1: became a parent? I don't think I would listen to be honest, even if I had (laughs) been able to tell myself, (laughs) but, um, yeah, I think honestly that the biggest one is that like, yeah, just go with the flow. Be chill, man. Like, just don't don't try and control the uncontrollable. It doesn't have to be what you're picturing. Just take each like day, hour, minute at a time. Um, yeah, and avoid fixed plans. That's probably a big one. Like, if you you told friends that you're gonna meet them on Friday, or they can meet your child on Friday or whatever, and you said that on Monday, and then Thursday was an awful night, and then Friday's coming, and you're like, no, you got to clean the house, all that stuff. That's just, you don't need that stress, man. Just don't, um, yeah, don't take it each day at a time and don't, don't fix any plans for like a good six months.
0: Yeah, just immerse yourself in the bubble and, yeah. and let people come and go. Um, what's the one thing you feel you need to work on as a parent?
1: Oh, one thing. It's so tricky, yeah. I guess it's probably, um, it's that thing that I think everyone's got these days of just being present. Because it's so easy to just get lost in your phone, right? And the amount of times mm. I like, I think I'm playing with Lila and then, you know, I'll get a message or something and then I'll just like open up Instagram and have a little look. And then all of a sudden she'll reach over and like, you know, try and get my attention. And I'm like, hey, one second. And they're like, oh. I'm doing this thing right now, the thing that I don't want to do of like yeah. my phone isn't important. what am I doing? But like it's so I think everyone's attention is so short now because of social media and things like that, yeah that it's you actually have to really actively practice being present, and like I think too with with particularly like young kids, it's great now that Lila's getting a bit older, but in those early like you know twelve months there's not that much to do it's quite the same thing over Mm. and over so it's actually hard to be present right because it's like it's kind of monotonous like oh yeah we're we're building the block again you know whatever whatever the thing is um and you can change that up by changing things up and doing different things but it 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 can be um it can be quite difficult to be present so yeah that's one that i'm always working on and i don't think i'll nail it but just being aware of it helps yeah, and I think I- I've
0: removed my Apple Watch because I've realised that even when your phone's put aside, you get notifications to your watch. It's it's impossible to disconnect, and I've got the new um, iPhone, and I-, I need to change the settings because there's a dimmed light on it now, so it never actually turns off. So even if it's in the corner, there's the screen's always on, but it's just dimmed. So naturally, your eyes are just drawn. Any notifications mm. coming through? Um and it just feels like everything is wired just to draw you back to that technology. So yeah, it's definitely important yeah. to be a, consciously done, um, aware of
1: that. I've put a, like all my social media apps in, in one place and I've turned off okay. all the notifications. So I have to click on it to so open them up. And I've got like this rule that I have to write. I've got like a micro journal in my notes and yeah. I have to write one sentence before I'm allowed to open any app. And normally yeah. by the time you write, you know, like I'm doing this right now. That's sometimes enough to break the cycle,
0: and and just g- going back quickly to what you said about attention span. I've noticed so so our little one is five now. So he's when we sit down and watch telly. Sometimes I hand him the remote so he can pick what he wants to watch, um, and we've pretty much binned off YouTube because I I've noticed that he was watching something and then everything is sort of. Articulated to just get you to watch something else and watch something else. So I've noticed he would watch it for a few minutes and then he'd be scanning through, he'd click something else and then he'd scan through and he'd click something else and I'd be like, let's just sit there and watch telly, pick one show and just immerse in it and we can watch that together because, yeah, YouTube is very much, certainly for little ones, too much sometimes when they can't just sit there and watch something. So, again, my fault as a parent and it's on the parent to manage tv time and um to keep an eye on that but so man, that's like, when... you gotta
1: you gotta do it sometimes though right like on a rainy day there's nothing to do yeah you, you use the tv like it's you got to be realistic but no that's uh, that's a good point and i know even like um lila's got really into the wiggles i don't know if you guys mm. really watch the wiggles over there but i noticed them, yeah. that like um right check about they're great um but yeah like there's there's ones on youtube that are like uh 40 minutes and it's all their different songs. And I know she doesn't actually like that one nearly as much as if it's, like, a YouTube clip of two minutes, because it has the Wiggles intro every time. Yeah, It's like, oh, wow, like, she's that hooked. That she needs that restart of, like, the theme song at the beginning plays a yeah. theme song. If it's all of them at once, nah, it's, it's too boring. Like, she'll say bye-bye, Wiggles, and try to turn it off. So, okay.
0: <laughs> and even... The, the content creators on YouTube that have got, like, tens of millions of followers, like, they're well aware of what vi- what they need to put in their videos to engage kids. Um, and they're all very loud, quick-fire, welcome to the show, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And, you know, there's bright colours and there's things flying in and cut scenes and it's just all too much. So certainly over yeah, the last yeah. month, we've taken a step back from YouTube and, you know, we'll watch, you know, something a bit more engaging like um that we can relax and watch like a movie or bluey or something like that that isn't so How good as bluey yes good mate very good
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. um apologies bit of a tangent there so the no no it's a good topic <laughs> the final question is and i probably need to reframe, uh change this one up because a few people are struggling to select just one Um, It's probably a big ask to ask people to mention just one. But it's what's the best thing for you about being a parent?
1: Oh, yeah, that is hard. eh? I think um, I'll just go with what first comes to my mind. And that's that like that flipping of like the me to we thing of like, I think you don't realize how sort of narcissistic and selfish you are (laughs) until you become a parent. And it's not about you for the first time. And then it's like, oh, and, and I think initially I, I found that quite hard. <laughs> um, but, but it's nice, like even, you know, when you work, before four am, when I'm working, you know, you're making money for yourself, you're paying your rent or whatever, buy drinks, whatever, you know. But now, like, there's this thing of like, every time I'm working, I'm actually like providing for my family. They need me to work, you know, they need me to be able to pay the bills. And it like, it just adds this whole different tone to it of, of like purpose, right? It's, it's not all meaningless and, and not to say it was meaningless. And if you're not a parent that it's meaningless, but it adds a lot more meaning to me of like, everything now has way more meaning. And even like the pillars of identity of maybe like before, if I had have changed jobs, it would have been like, who am I now you know like I remember when I stopped being a teacher and doing what I'm doing now which is more like project management stuff that was like quite a big shift of like what what, yeah who who am I if I'm not a teacher where like once you become a parent you've got this one constant pillar and the other ones aren't as important you know like if I was to change careers right now as long as I could pay the bills cool I'm still me and I'm still like dad to Delilah you know like and I'm still like husband to charlie it's like just this more yeah i don't know it's it's more pure i think in a way it's less about you and about your family and it's cool i i i didn't expect it quite to the level it is yeah
0: interesting what you said there about career as well because what i'm noticing since starting the podcast is i can chat to all these people be it authors um Parents, psychologists, but the one thing that makes us all the same is that we're all parents. We all share the same struggles, and we're all on unique journeys. But we can all lean on each other um, and give each other advice and help each other through. So yeah, it's definitely something that makes us all very similar. It brings us all together.
1: Yeah, it's interesting too, because eh? like I've talked to a few dads, and I can tell that they're more hands off, you know, and they're not super invested and I, I always find that interesting of like oh you don't yeah you don't have to actually go all in on parenting i don't think it's a good thing necessarily but not everyone does dive in and, and i think of like my parents and their generation where like maybe dad just worked and that was the expectation right he worked and provided but he didn't have to be like a loving parent mm. my dad was he was great but <laughs> He didn't have to be and that wasn't wasn't necessarily the standard at least in new zealand uh, i don't know what uk is like but yeah new zealand you know there's a sort of a manly dad doesn't you know he's not lovey to his kids um yeah, yeah. it's just interesting that you know that's even a thing like yeah
0: I, yeah i think we've definitely become more dads are more consciously aware of those earlier as i think now um certainly my dad he didn't really have much choice because you know he was up at five six in the morning and back at six when we were growing up um so when we did spend that you know he he was in our home but when we did spend that quality time with him it was very special and memorable so it was was my mum because my dad worked on weekends as well it was my mum that took me to football matches every Sunday for like 10 years but when my dad did finish work early and rock up on his motorbike i'd be in the middle of a match i'd see him walking over like i actually remember even now at 35 those moments because they were few and far between but they were special because i knew he was working for us um and he didn't have much choice because he was working on machinery he can't work from home um so yeah it's it's definitely we're transitioning into a different time and dads do have more opportunities to get invested um, in the early years, as a parent, that's a good
1: point too. Actually, that yeah, a lot of dads just couldn't. <laughs> they just didn't have the time, or that yeah, they come home from work and they're just exhausted. They yeah, doing these hardcore jobs, and they did, they only had so much they could give. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, well, thank you for your time, Logan. Really appreciate it. Um, again, I'd love to have you back on. Because uh, there's so much more we could talk about. Um, so, if you're keen and we can align the times, I think we've got a handle on the time difference now. Um, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. We're not in daylight savings in New Zealand anymore, and that makes it a lot easier. When we were first talking, I was still in daylight savings, and I think it was just. Yeah, was a bit I think we've gone, <laughs>
0: yeah. we've gone from a 13 hour difference, we've both gone through daylight saving. I think there's an 11 hour difference now. Um, right, gotcha. So, yeah. Okay, mate, we'll have yeah, a good no, that sleep. Yeah, that's perfect, man.
1: <laughs> Cheers, yeah, I'm probably a bit too wired now. I'm going to have to chill for a bit.
0: <laughs> and we'll catch up soon. Thank you, mate.
1: Awesome. Cheers, man. Thanks for having me.
0: Bye-bye.